podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I'm thrilled to introduce two of the greatest referees of all time. First and foremost, Mr. Reffin Rant himself from the Great White North, Mr. Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, what's up, man? Yeah, hanging in there, WrestleMania and post-WrestleMania Raw hangover, but uh, I'm still doing okay. It's, it's a long, long week now. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lots of coffee, lots of energy drinks, what have mm-hmm. you. Uh, and the one, the only, the guy who gets plenty of sleep every night, Mr. Brian Hemner. Brian, what's up, man? Not a lot, fellas, not a lot. Uh, very happy about this episode as we dive into a little bit of Mr. Hulk Hogan and... Uh, yeah, believe it or not, I'm sitting out here in shorts and no shoes on, and it's hot. And, uh, yeah, I just love telling you all that because I know where y'all are at. It's <laughs> yeah, probably it's snowing good. or freezing or not something. Not no, it's 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 above freezing temperatures here, but not very much above. And, yeah, I, I couldn't be sitting outside in shorts and a T-shirt right now, that's for sure. All right. Yeah, it's like, it's, right. Yeah, it's like 50 here. It's supposed to be like 70 tomorrow. So we'll see what yeah. happens if that actually R- happens. But... Rub it in, brother. Rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, well, uh, oh, getting snow off the lake, I mean. Sorry. <laughs> hey, just let y'all know, a little surprise I may have. Uh, I won't. It won't be uh, hopefully soon. Uh, I got off the phone with somebody that I think is going to join our show. Um, and I'm just working out the details. And I don't want to tell anyone. I want to leave everybody in the in the uh, dark here with this. And uh He's agreed to be on. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. So very soon. Look forward to the next cool. couple of weeks, hopefully. And uh, mm-hmm. this is going to be a good one. But yeah. you got to stay tuned, folks. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned to all our social medias at Reffing It Up. Definitely have our uh, breaking news, hopefully very, very soon mm-hmm. on many different fronts. So with that being said, let's uh, send it up to our first count and talk a little WrestleMania. Media. This is your one count. This past weekend, if you've lived under a rock, I, I'm sorry, but WrestleMania is this past weekend in lovely California. Um, everybody flocked out there, guys. First and foremost, before we get into the details, Jimmy, I, watching it, obviously you're doing a lot of the stuff with Wrestling Inc. And... Do you guys ever have that itch? You see everything going on. It brings back good memories of working the WrestleManias. Do you ever get the itch to, you know, get back there? Of course. The itch, the itch comes and goes, uh, you know, but when you try to make sense of it, you think about the time away from home. But right now, because I am home all the time, you, you don't mind getting away for, let's say, four or five days, whatever the case may be out there in, in L.A. And, you know, especially now when you can... Uh, it, it, Going there in a different capacity. I've done it a couple of years where I went from the media side when we were doing the show up here in Canada, the Aftermath show uh, with Arda O'Cal slash Kyle Edwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Renee oh. Paquette is an, uh, also an alumnus. So, um, yeah, you do get the itch. It's nice to be there. But at the same time, it's 
it's become a busy, busy weekend. There's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. RJ asked me the same thing. Well, I already know your answer, so <laughs> that's why I went to Jimmy first because I'm like, oh, we I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> so, you know, obviously the price tag would have to be the right amount for you to go back, Brian. And you've said that numerous times uh, on the show. But obviously being there with the boys, you're seeing, you know, we saw Ray go in this weekend in the Hall of Fame. Um, somebody that you guys both worked with know very well. Uh, yep. You got to have some sort of little, you know, itch to get back a little bit anyways. Right, Brian? Well, I just, you know, I miss being in the ring. If that's anything, I don't miss any of the rest. I'm being dead serious. I don't. And maybe it's because I haven't been out of it that long to maybe be able to miss it enough yet. Mm. But I, I just, man, I don't, I, I don't miss to travel. I don't, mm-hmm. my bed feels so good and I sleep in my manscape and I'm just so, so comfy and I don't have to fight these airports and all these rude motherfuckers in the airport. Um, I don't, I don't, would it have been fun maybe to go out there for a couple of days and just hang out and chill? Maybe, but I was just fine, perfectly sitting in my home, watching on my TV, all cozy, cold, free pops and all the food I want, but that's me. Right. Well, ho- hopefully next year, it's a little bit closer to you guys next year. So hopefully we'll have uh, some sort of a Hebner name at WrestleMania weekend this coming year. Well, straight year. up by 95 for you, right, Brian? It what is, is yeah. 95 yeah. North. About, yeah. about four hours. Four hours, four and change. Well, not too bad. Not too bad. No. But I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was plenty of people that went to this year's one. You had a combined... 161,892 fans, both nights, total attendance uh, there in uh, California. Uh, Total uh, Triple H claimed in his uh, post uh, event presser that its total gate for the weekend exceeded $21 million, um, which is the highest grossing event uh, with the highest paid attendance as well. So, they keep outdoing themselves every year, guys. And I think they keep running a lot of these stadiums um, like they did this year at SoFi. Uh, and the next year they're at uh, Lincoln Financial there in Philadelphia. They're going to keep uh, keep exceeding that. Uh, I know, Jimmy, you worked, uh, I believe it was the Miami show there with Taker and uh, uh, Edge, or was that Arizona? No, that was uh, that was in Florida, but it wasn't Miami. Oh, okay. it was It was Orlando. Orlando, okay. Yeah, that that was that was incredible. Well, here's the thing, though, uh, with the with the attendance, was that a sellout for both nights? Because that's roughly eighty thousand a night. Yeah, it pretty much was close to that. I know, I know, the first night was around like eighty eighty one, and then the second night was eighty two. I know the second night exceeded the first night for sure. Mm. Uh, So more comps. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there you go. but yeah, it was just it, it was just a bigger stadium, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it, a lot of people went though because a lot of you know, and I attribute that to the to the card too. When well, you got, well, you, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead, Brian. No, no, you, yes, you can attribute it to the card, but there was also a lot of speculation on who's going to be showing up this year because it was in L.A., it was in Hollywood, so people's minds were racing who's going to pop up, and man. Uh, the the big name they were expecting didn't show up, but still got a hell of a got a hell of a show this weekend. Oh, and yeah. we were all 
we were all kind of wrong. Remember with the main event, everybody was talking about the first night main event mm -hmm. ended up being the tag titles. Uh, mm -hmm. Wow. That that's the yep. first time uh, ever, right? For WrestleMania yep. main event. Yep. And for the tag titles. Yep. And, and they, they, they did, they showed that they deserve to be there. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. That's the argument. I know a lot of people are going to complain. Oh, why wasn't the women's title match and Rhea Ripley and all that kind of stuff. But the story going into WrestleMania, the bigger story or the better story or the one that generated the most interest was the bloodline story. Absolutely. And I think Absolutely. even Triple H commented on that, too, in the presser after the first night uh, when somebody asked him about the main events. And he even I'm paraphrasing, it, of course, but. He said, basically, it was a lead up to that story, something with the build um, with that. But, you know, there was another first where for the SmackDown women's title match. It was an all women's uh, uh, match. You had obviously you had Rhea and Charlotte. You had Jessica Carr as the referee. You had mm -hmm. Samantha uh, Irvin as a ring announcer. And then um, it was just unreal for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, and it, it really it, goes to show you how where, where we where where it was years ago to where it is now. Yeah, it, it's it was an incredible uh, a scene, and you know what? And it was an incredible match. Those ladies tore it down. They tore the house down. What a match they put on! And everybody performed. And and hats off to Jessica Carr, the referee. She she helped facilitate and tell that story. And like we keep saying here, and we preach as as brothers in stripes. The referee's job is to help the talent tell their story. And Jessica did a marvelous job of helping them tell their story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said that uh, WrestleMania keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, um, I'm wondering how big it can get with this new news that came out. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm kind of wondering where this is going. And uh, RJ, tell them what, what, what I'm talking about. You have more depth yeah. details. So <laughs> the... the parent company endeavor uh ended up buying the wwe which they are the parent company to the ufc so you have ufc and wwe under the same banner right now um as of now um i don't know if it is officially finalized um obviously speculation at that this point but it's really i believe it was like what like six billion or something they bought it something like and, that and it's just unreal where it'd be interesting to see where it goes. I hope they yeah. do it the right way. They said nothing's going to change on the, the wrestling end. you still have the UFC and Dana White's handling that you have Nick Khan handling the WWE side. Uh, Vince is the, the, the top guy there for WWE. Uh, mm -hmm. But like I said, it's just going to be interesting to see how, how they do it. Hopefully we saw the uh, right after WrestleMania, Rumor and innuendo was Vince had a predominant role backstage and a lot of talent weren't ha wasn't happy with that. I had said a long time ago after he left the WWE, supposedly, and my fingers are going quotations, left the WWE. I believe this was uh, when Jimmy was with us as well, because we were both kind of going back and forth. I told you guys he would weasel his way back in there and be the hot top dog again. I predicted it. And I wasn't wrong because now he's the top dog again. Once again, though, this is not sitting well with a lot of people. A lot of people, it's not. With that being said, Jimmy, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. 
with this purchase or supposed purchase, what does this do to make this WWE on a broader scale? Like what can be done? What can UFC do for them to help them be a bigger platform? That's where I'm confused. No, it's not UFC. It's the Endeavor platform that they're, they're they, they've acquired 51% of the company. So it's basically controlling it. Um, obviously, WWE generates revenue. They're making record, as we as you mentioned, record, record WrestleMania. Their television deals, not only in the United States, but globally, uh, are, are really good. Endeavor is a big property outside of the wrestling business, and they're viewed big time by you know, the television and entertainment world. So them doing the negotiating to negotiate television deals that are coming up and and there is talk of them possibly going back, like for at least for the big four pay-per-views, make them traditional pay-per-views again if that generates more money. There is an opportunity here within Denver for that company to be big. But like you said, it all depends on who is still in charge of the wrestling side of things. And you have to leave the people who know the wrestling side or the sports entertain. I'm doing the air quotes now. The <laughs> sports entertainment side, let them do their job and do and run it the way they know how to handle it best. I saw a statement uh, by um, um, the UFC head. What's his name? Uh, Dana White. Yeah, sorry. Um, I saw where he said he could that they, the Endeavor would make them to the highest platform where they've been for the last six years. I don't see that though. I don't understand that. I don't see that the UFC has been on a grander stage than say WWE the last six years. I don't, I don't see that. I yeah, just, I don't know. I can't grip, grip my head around it. I just, I no. can't. Back down. See, see, it's hard to see because you know, like I'm not, I watch mixed martial arts a little bit. I'm not a big, huge, like, Oh, I got to check out this UFC event and blah, blah, blah. So for me, it's 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 not something that I pay attention to like I do pro wrestling and sports right. entertainment, which I you know, which obviously I, uh, we have a passion for here. But maybe that's part of it, and maybe Endeavor is a kind of breaks down that wall, that stigma of pro wrestling. It's that oh, it's that predetermined stuff and all that you know, where people have this stigma attached to pro wrestling, like the old days. Maybe being affiliated with Endeavor and which is the the umbrella over ufc and now wwe people might start to think well you know if it was so much of a closet thing why would endeavor get involved with this it must be something and maybe it can attract some people in and open their minds up a little bit to say hey let me view this as an entertainment vehicle as opposed to trying to say well they're trying to perpetrate a you know we know the outcomes are predetermined right And, and that's the same like any other television show you watch on tv you know, it's based on on real life, but it's not real life. And maybe maybe you can attract more viewers that way. We'll see. How do we know USC is not predetermined? Give me a break. Ah, there's the conspiracy theory. There we well, go. You, hear, you, heard it, you heard it on Reffin' It Up first, guys. You heard it first. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, seriously, because I think oh, hopefully it's for the better. Uh, obviously, you keep the right people in in power that should be, you know, whether it be triple H or whomever on, on the WWE end, obviously Nick Khan will be there as well. Um, and RJ, hopefully this actually sticks because just before we hit the record button, some news came out, Jimmy, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, what touch on that, sir? 
Oh, well, let me just look really quickly. It said on Monday, a few hours after the Endeavor deal was announced, the law firm Ademi LLP issued a press release announcing that they were initiating their own investigation into the sale, looking for, quote, possible breaches of fiduciary duty and other violations of law. So basically, uh, in a nutshell, it's saying that they, they're thinking that uh, not only is WWE stock being valued too low for the merger, but they also feel that the transaction agreement unreasonably limits competing bids for WWE by imposing a significant penalty if WWE accepts a superior bid. So it's very modeled in, yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, uh, law lingo that needs to be kind of explained to the general public. I know people are going to pretend they know what it's all about, but uh, uh, again, <laughs> when when mergers like this happen, this kind of stuff comes out all the time, but because it's WWE and they are very prominent, you know, yeah. obviously this is going to make headlines. Let's put it that way. Is there anything there? Who knows? Again, we're going to have to wait and see, but it may delay the merger. Right. Uh, from like, from like, from what, what I gathered from that, what you just read, Jimmy, I'm pretty sure it's like they are thinking, okay, well, it's kind of limiting, you know, say, you know, Disney Time Warner or AOL, not AOL. <laughs> that puts me back. Um, you know, a, a larger company of coming in at a higher bid, uh, which mm-hmm. it makes sense. And it's just like, okay, well, hopefully this, this, this will go through, you know? But yeah. you got to look at it from a, from a business standpoint, sorry to cut you off, right? From no. a business standpoint, like maybe another company would have, could have offered them a few more dollars, yeah. but in the long run, who would be the better benefit as a business partner? And that's what right. you got to look at as well. There's, there's a lot more to it than, Oh, these guys offered more money. Hmm. One thing I wanted to bring up before we head over to our uh, ref and review for this week, um, a couple things that I wanted to touch on that I saw that I noticed that I want to get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, we brought her up in the SmackDown women's title match at Jessica Carr. Uh, Shane McMahon came back and tore his quad, just like oh. his father. So what I gathered from this is you can clearly hear Jessica Carr call the spot for Snoop Dogg. Yes, that's Snoop Dogg to do a people's elbow to the Miz. Um, a lot of speculation out there, guys. Obviously, you guys have been both in the ring when all crap has hit the fan and you got to call an audible. What did you guys think of this? Jimmy, I'll start with you because uh, obviously this is something that you briefly touched on. Uh, big props to everybody involved because that was something that nobody saw coming. You know, Shane O'Mac, it's in the DNA, I guess, with the quads. Only Vince had this. Vince had the had the one up him and tear both quads at the same time. But uh, I, I thought it was handled really well. And I know people are talking, like you mentioned, RJ, about uh, Jessica relaying that message there. But that's part of the ref's job to do it. And it's all in production. Unfortunately, picked it up mm-hmm. a little a little bit on the mic. So uh, to me, that's not a huge deal. But everybody involved, including Snoop, you got to give Snoop credit for oh, God, pulling yeah. this off because. Uh, it, it had people questioning. People were actually thinking, "Oh, this was all planned out. It was a work to get Snoop in the ring, it, you know." And people thought that Shane was just selling. They they didn't think that he, you know, blew out his quad. They thought it was part of the uh, the show. Yeah. And, but no, 
he got legitimately injured and everybody that did their part afterwards and executed the um, on the fly booking extremely well. We have to remember, man, that's Snoop D-O-double-G. He's going to do his thing, man. He's an entertainer. And uh, yeah. he showed his finest. And I can just tell you, you know, the thing with Jessica Carr, look, like you said, it's a legit injury. Production now is all in a disarray as well. You know, they they didn't know what was going on, and what, nor, nor should they. This is not what you expected. So she had to do her job. That is her job. And it just happened to get caught. But guess what? The camera guys didn't know not to go there. They didn't know the spot was probably called to her. So she did what she's supposed to do, what I would have done, what Jimmy would have done, what any referee would have done is call you. You call what they say in the back to them. And I, I have no issue with that either. Right. You know, something else I wanted to touch on too. It, it, it's been an injury plagued week between AEW. You had, uh, I believe, one of the top flight guys break his, break his ankle or foot or leg or something, doing a high spot, believe it or not. Um, and then you had these two, you had this one, and then you had uh, Finn Baylor, Baylor, excuse me, receiving 14 staples into his head after a ladder was thrown at him and hit him in the head. I kid you not, guys. I, I showed my wife. I'm, I'm like, I'm not showing my 11 year old, 10 year old son because that's he'll have nightmares, but um. <laughs> You know, and obviously anything could happen. Obviously, I'm sure Edge is taking care of him too, but he legitimately got a, I don't know what the shot was, but probably just a numbing agent. And he has actually had staples put into his head during the match. And he continued. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, guys, how, how as a referee, this one and obviously the Shane O'Mac in, uh, incident, how do you guys really adjust on the fly that quickly? You figure it out. You figure it out mm -hmm. quick. Yeah. It's not something you're taught and trained on. I mean, it really isn't. Um, I, I know I wasn't trained. Okay, well, if he gets hurt, you got to do this. No, right. you, it comes to experience and just being able to use your mind in the, in the moment. And that's, that's, that's all you can really do. You can only do that. And then and sometimes when it's televised or pay-per-view, you get help from the back as well. You know, it's a house show. You got to do it all on your own. I'm sure these signals are being called because, you know, some referees just can't simply come up with it. And I get that. I mean, because it, it, it puts you in a spot. Uh, so it's, it, I think Jimmy will agree. It's, it's, a, it's the, it's the mind over matter when it happens and you got to figure it out, mm -hmm. navigate through it. Right. No, I totally, I totally agree, Brian. You, you couldn't have said it better myself. And I, like I said, everybody, I think handled it very well. Uh, in the ring, I think Jessica handled the situation very well because obviously in the WWE, it's a different situation when it comes to blood, but that was something else. And if you go back and you watch it, when the ladder was thrown at, at Balor, he got his hands up, but that the step, the rung, mm -hmm. like was right between and bam, caught him right, man, just a square. And he went down and you could tell right away there was an issue. Uh, you know, they unlocked the door. They let the medical staff come in and check on him. And I'm going to take this in a different direction. Now I give props to the production crew for not shooting it, mm -hmm. not yes. shooting the medical staff working on him and doing whatever they had to do. And edge big credit to him because he didn't just stand there and watch. He did a little bit. He was paying attention, but then he, he made some movement. He made some gestures. He went outside the ring, looked under the ring. Like he was looking for weapons and stuff like that. He stayed busy. So to kind of draw a bit of a, maybe some uh, eyes to him and be a bit of a distraction. So again, in a terrible situation, everything came out well and it was good. That, yeah, hopefully Finn wasn't injured much more than the 
uh, I hate to say it, it sounds like I'm, I'm I'm downplaying the 14 staples or whatever it was, but man, getting stapled like that and continuing, hats off to him. Yeah. And, it, 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 and you know, to all you fans out there, and I know you hear it a lot, but I mean, this is a great example. Those both with Shane and, and the Finn Baylor, uh, look what these guys do to entertain people. Look what they have that they have to take chances on to, to, to be entertaining and to make people buy tickets. People want to say, and I hate this because I, and I've discussed it on earlier podcasts and several other ones. I do not like to use the word fake when it comes to professional wrestling. I do not. I can't stand it. Actually, I'm going to stress. I can't fucking stand it because I mean, I'm just being real because the thing is this. If it's fake, then that wouldn't have happened, correct? They would have used a fake ladder. They would have used, right. you know, it, it, it's not fake. It's choreographed. There's predetermined finishes. But what these guys do to their bodies is not fake. Jimmy, I know you've got injuries from your long career. I've got injuries from my long career. My dad's a brittle, broken man from, from all his years. Mm-hmm. And they're now kicking in on him as he's gotten older and older. So what I'm saying is, Please respect the business if you watch it and, and don't use the word fake because it's not fake. It's choreographed. Use that word. Yeah, that's the F word we don't like. <laughs> well, something that we do like is our reference review for this week. This is Reffin Review. I noticed a few this week, gentlemen. Uh, obviously, we talked about them briefly before we hit the record button. I wanted to bring up the something that I noticed. A lot of referees have been kind of on the slower side of things, you know, moving in the ring, up and down. That's something I know you've talked about for Jimmy and Brian. I know you talked about it uh, when we had your dad on about, oh, you don't grab the rope to get up. You just get up. Why are you doing that? Is it just a matter of you just do so much in the ring that you just get a little bit slower? No, I don't ever want to hear that. No, I don't ever want to hear that. I really don't. I don't care if you're doing an Ironman match. That if you can't stay the same pace, you can't stay in the ring, then just don't, don't, don't do the fucking match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 it's not an excuse. Uh, I, I was thrown in an Ironman match at an Impact, and I wasn't ready. I was, if you wanted to look at it that way, I wasn't ready. I wasn't in cardio shape for that. I busted through it, though. I went through it. I went through the motions. Yes, I sweat a gallon, a gallon. Now, granted, half of that was probably beer, but still, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It had to come out. <laughs> but and it did come out. I was a soaking mess. I really was going to give that match to someone else, to be honest with you, and not do it. Um but I was informed that's my match to do. And that's what the boys wanted. And that's what I had to do. And I'm not trying to put myself over. But what I'm saying is, no, you don't run out of gas and change your ref style. No, you fight through it. You're only in there to do that one job. Get through it. You'll get out of there. Everything will be fine. So I, I don't know the excuses, but it, that, that should not be one. And if it is, uh, carry your ass to the gym. Get some cardio every day or something. Because that's just not excusable. Well, and it, and it seems a lot, you know, more so now, a lot of the guys and gals are, you know, they're in the gym all the time. They're lifting weights. They're doing cardio. Jimmy, is that something that you, going back to when you first started in the company in the in the late, uh, to mid to late 80s and early 90s, 
that wasn't really something that happened then, right? Or was it? No, sometimes you, some guys would go to the gym, but because I was on the ring crew and and setting up and doing all that stuff, that's where I was getting, believe it or not, getting my cardio because before the show, you're setting up the ring that, 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 you know, there's a lot of heavy stuff you're doing, some lifting, you're walking, you're back and forth. There's, there's a lot of movement. And after the show, you're doing some more. So that's kind of where I got mine from uh, back then. You know what I mean? But uh, Brian's right. You have to stay in some kind of, cardio shape because you got to follow along and be a part of the match and and you're talking about the um slow counting and stuff like that when you talk about the referees counting the cadence has to be consistent throughout the match because i've seen referees where they do you know on false finishes or they're, they're counting faster right and and then on the finish they slow down and it's a slow deliberate one two three i never liked that because that was a dead giveaway you know, and I hate when there's a tell. Yeah. So yep. the yes, you can show as the match progresses and it's more, you can show a little more oomph, but the cadence of the count should be the same throughout the entire match. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I agree. I think that the, the thing is, even if, if the referee has a slow count, as long as it's consistent throughout the match. Now, if you pick it up a little bit as the action gets picked up, yeah, that's fine. But but what I'm saying is as long as it's the same, if it's just inconsistent, then it does nobody any good. That's that's basically it. It's cadence. I wanted to give a quick shout out. I don't know if you happen to see, and I'm throwing you for a loop here, guys. I'm calling on Audible. But uh, <laughs> if you follow Charles Robinson on Instagram, uh, yes. he posted something today. And I'll actually show you here, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was at the uh, Sanger Heart and Vascular Institute. Um, mm-hmm. He was not on WrestleMania this past weekend, so hopefully he's doing well. He's be he'll be able to run down those that aisle one more time. I, yeah, just so, just so you know, I, not to give away anything because it's not my place to say what was going on. But I messaged Charles today, uh, and he's doing well. He's going to be fine. It's just going to take a little time. And we wish him nothing but the best. Right. Of course. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. What what happened? What happened to Charles? It's it, it, he had a little uh, medical issue that he had to take care of. That's all. So is he okay? I, 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 yeah, he's going to be fine. He's 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 going to be fine. He will be. He's just uh, it just hit him now during WrestleMania season, and uh, he posted that picture out there. But it's it, and like I said, I messaged him. He says everything is fine, everything's good, and uh, he'll be back. Well, how did I not hear about this? I think he just posted it today. I think. Yeah, it, it just oh. and not only that, he posted pictures all weekend from WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, which I found so it, was, it was interesting. I'm like, I hope yeah. I'm like that. I saw it today. I'm like, oh, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll have yeah. to text. I didn't. I didn't know that something was wrong with him. I'm. I'm glad you told me that, Jimmy. I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we have reference review, right? Reviewing what happened. There you exactly. go. There you go. And I and then I call an audible. It's not even on the run sheet. So throw everybody for a loop now. <laughs> I love you, Charles Rob. I love yeah, you, Charles you Rob. Yeah, yeah, buddy. So big shout out to Charles. Uh, somebody I want to talk about, Rudy, Rudy Charles. Mm-hmm. See that segue, guys? See that segue? Awesome. Wow. Um, Rudy Charles uh had a the main event of night two, uh, Cody versus Roman. Um, something I noticed was that you can hear the weight belt slap on the back, but you can't mm-hmm. hear the chair shot. Mm-hmm. Is this just something guys that 
you know, Rudy was probably told in his ear, hey, this is going to happen. Or was it something that was talked about before predetermined, like we said? Because uh, obviously it's ha- it's always happened in the past before, obviously with you guys as well, I'm sure. But what do you guys think about this? First of all, what do you think, Brian? I've always hated it. I mean, I have I've always hated it. And I've been in that, that predicament as well. It's something that Rudy maybe should have kind of thought about beforehand just to see if he knew that's the way it was going to happen. Maybe something that could have taken him away for a minute or just thought of some kind of something just to not make it sound like, bam, oh, and then he just sells it as nothing. He probably should have sold it, maybe. I mean, in my opinion, he probably just should have sold it. What the hell was that? You know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, it's a tough spot. I'm not blaming Rudy. Uh, I, I think that the way they had the match, you know, set up and figured out, I mean, it was just the way it went. But I get what you're saying, and it's it's a tough spot for a referee. Right. And sometimes you can't do anything about it. You have to – you just have to do it. You have to look stupid. And it's just part of the biz. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a tough spot. I, I get what you're saying, though. I, I do. And, it, and, and I hated it as a referee. I tried everything I could to not look as dumb as I did. You know, I did. And I'm always looking dumb anyway, so that was <laughs> easy. So, anyway, that, that's just, I, I, you know, that's what I think. Sure. Right. What, what, no, did, you I t- what did you take out no, of it? No, no, no. I, I totally agree with what Brian said. And it's, it's that's the unfortunate thing is sometimes you just have to do what they ask you to do. And there's a a polite way of questioning something and, and, you know, maybe saying, Hey, you know what, you want me to hear the belt shot? What about the chair shot? And you can make yep. a case in certain situations where the crowd noise may have been louder at that time and didn't hear it. And that's when commentary comes in and commentary should help. But there are going to be times where the referee doesn't look good. And the unfortunate thing about this is, is this was noticeable as, as you pointed out, RJ and, the heat went to the wrong person here mm-hmm. because the chair shock should have gone to the heat should have been the heat going to the person who used the chair, not to the referee who didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. So that that's, that's that thing about, you know, referee getting heat on them as opposed to the heel getting the heat. Yeah. Well, think about this too, guys. I don't know how many main events Rudy has done at WrestleMania. And I would say this is probably his first, if I was to guess, I don't think he had, the balls to question Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. And he just did what he had to do. And I do not blame him. Nope. The head of the table, you're going to question where the chair shot should be and when, and and how you're supposed to not hear it. That's when you get a fuck off kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, that, that's a tough spot for Rudy. Um, yeah. I don't know. Tough spot. Tough spot. It is. It is. Well, well, with this match in general, guys, we'll get. To, I want to say this, and then we'll get to our second count talk, Hulk Hogan. But do you think the right guy went over here with Roman going over Cody? Oh, man, see, that's the tough one. Uh, I don't think so because uh, uh, people can make the argument that you can build this back up, and you know, th- this is Cody's hard times moment. You know, he 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 had an easy road to the championship. It, it, there was no adversity. Blah blah blah. But at the same time. The crowd was with him. And you only have that. You, I think it was a missed opportunity to really elevate Cody to the next level and help that tell that story. And you, the bloodline storyline has been the number one story going into WrestleMania. And that could have continued afterwards, especially with the Usos losing the titles the night before. 
Uh, I know people have made, uh, you know, but Roman Reigns is a is a money maker, a money generator, uh, revenue with merchandise, the whole bid, and and he's a ratings getter. But at the same time, you only have a, a one shot, in my opinion, to make a really good impression. And Co- uh, yes, I, people are saying it was too predictable for Cody to win, but sometimes predictable is good when it makes sense. I agree, Jimmy. Jimmy, I agree with you. I, I do. And here's my here's my problem with it. And it doesn't matter to the WWE what I think. And I'm, you know, just giving my opinion. I just think that when Cody got there, he had so much steam and they kept building him and building him and building him. Then he had that injury. Okay. They did a good job of building him back and getting people back invested into him. I don't think the guy could have been any higher than he was for WrestleMania. So now you have made these people that had all this expectations and all these aspirations for him to be the champion and didn't get the job done. I don't know if you can pull him back to be that biggest star that they, they had him. At. I, I just don't. I mean, I personally, I know how the business works, but I'm personally like, golly, really? You, you didn't put the strap on him? I don't know. If I feel that way, I can only imagine what wrestling fans at home feel like that have never been in the business. They're probably like, their heart's torn out. Like, oh my God, Cody didn't win it. And Cody almost kind of guaranteed a win Mm -hmm. leading up to WrestleMania. So, I don't know, man. I mean, what do I know? I'm not a writer. I'm a referee. So, I should just stick my ass out of it and get my button (laughs) around. But but not only that, one more last thing. RJ, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm totally with you, Jimmy. It would have been awesome to see the bloodline enter Monday Night Raw with empty-handed, no belts, nothing, mm-hmm. and see what happens. And you could have worked all kinds of shit with that, mm-hmm. where Roman gets so hot, he just kicks all them fuckers out. You know what I mean? Like, it's just right. so many different things you could have done. I mean, but, hey, look, what do we know, Jimmy, right? Yeah. You were just in the One, business for a combined 60 years, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. All um, we do is wear stripes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. One thing that has happened, though, guys, is everybody's talking about the company. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that it has done. Good, bad, and different. People are talking about it. There's a buzz about it. Um, like I said, you take it with a grain of salt. Good, bad, and different. Everybody has their own opinions. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. Are they going to make mm-hmm. it even farther? Who knows? We saw Lesnar turn on Cody last night. When they were supposed to be tagging against uh, Roman and and Soa or Solo, excuse me. So, who knows where this is going to lead? Definitely, people are they'll be tuning in regardless. I think so. Yeah. Uh, something that we have been tuning into is Manscape.com. Head over to Manscape.com and use the promo code Refin. That's R E F I N, and get twenty percent off and free shipping. I just did it today, gentlemen, and I feel mm. so. So clean. I feel like a innocent Dutch boy roaming the countryside. Uh, I just have, I also have the beard hedger on its way to my house right now as we speak. Um, I actually have a couple razors that I use, but it just doesn't do the job like the beard hedger does. Like I said, head over there. Brian talks about it every single week. His underwear, he buys more because he doesn't want to do laundry. And that's okay, guys. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not going to not talk about it this week either. I'm just going <laughs> to I use my trimmer, and boy, that thing works so good. Mm-hmm. Men, mm-hmm. I'm letting you know. Women don't want the hairy balls, okay? <laughs> they don't. 
we got to get those hedgers out. We got to get them, bugged. like get the balls clean and good. And these trimmers are the best. And then to top it, yes, to top it, <laughs> then you put your manscaped briefs on to, to hold on to those balls and secure your balls all day long. Oh, I just love my manscape. And I know you think I'm just trying to put over something. I, I am trying to put it over because it is all that. You need to go to manscape and you need to use that breathing code and you need to get your stuff and get your balls together. Okay. Yeah. Just let you know. Let's have a ball. There's nothing more I could add to all of that. Definitely. You need to get the manscape. I have it. And as someone who, as I said, how many times, uh, blessed with the Greek curse that growing hair everywhere, except up top, the manscaped, uh, uh, gimmick is, is a godsend. Let's put it that way. And they yeah. even have gentlemen. I even did it today. I did that kind of an all over kind of thing. It's not details that you really wanted, but they have the <laughs> weed whacker too, which is an ear and nose trimmer. Because I'm finally getting to that age, guys, that hair's starting to go out of my ears, out of my nose. And my wife's like, you got hair coming out of your nose. Well, fear not. I have the weed whacker. Mm -hmm. Clear it all out. My wife looks at me like I'm weird now. Well, she always looks at me when I'm like I'm weird, but I'm all clean now. So head over, manscaped.com. Use a promo code REFIN. That's R-E-F-I-N. And get 20% off and free shipping today. And with that being said, let's send it up to our second count. This is your two count. And we are back, brothers. We're talking about the immortal one himself, the one, the only, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Man, guys, it's somebody that I, I grew up watching, um, somebody that you guys both worked with very closely. Jimmy, it probably goes back to you all the way to what? Probably when you got into the company, he was there, right? Yeah, because when I started working for Jack Tunney in, in uh, 1985, you know, the, the first time I got to meet Hulk was, uh, um, it, you know, working for him before I even started refereeing. Mm -hmm. and, and and one of the first times I had met him before, uh, but I remember Jack Tunney, uh, I was at Maple Leaf Gardens. He hands me the keys to his Fleetwood Cadillac. It says, go to the go to the airport Marriott and pick up Hulk and his wife. Because his wife at the time, Linda, was traveling with him. And I was, and I'm trying not to look like, oh my God, I'm going to go pick up Hulk. I said, yes, sir. And I'm trying to look cool while getting the keys and, <laughs> you know, and got to, and called up the room because I knew, you know, his real name and stuff like that. And it brought him down and he was so cool, man. It was, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we just he gets there in the eighty in the eighty you get there in the eighty excuse me, um, and he just became just that star instantly uh, when he got up here with the WWF. You know he had his couple stays there in the AWA Japan what have you, but really came into his own um, when he got into the company with Vince Senior. I uh, really saw him the first time, then went away, mm -hmm. came back. Uh, Brian, you you probably did a lot with when you went there with your dad and your uncle, uh, that famous there in 88 with the twin magic. Uh, that's something we talked about briefly too, with, uh, when your dad was here, uh, with us too, but growing up as a Hebner that you were and are, uh, Hogan had to be the guy for you, right? I, yeah, he was man. Um, you have to remember that I grew up with the NWA, mm -hmm. uh, that's where my dad was with the Crockett promotions. And I grew up with that. And I don't think, and actually I, it's not a thing. I, I don't know. And I can't think of any of a, of a 
wrestler that was larger than life, a larger than life person. He was just what I just simply said, larger than life. Uh, one story I can tell you that when I was growing up, I would go to the Richmond Coliseum. I don't know, two, three times, two, four, I don't know, five times a month and watch the NWA as they would always go to that Coliseum, the Richmond Coliseum. And I remember that one time when my uncle David was, was, was at the WWF at the time, my dad was still in NWA and I heard Hogan was coming. Okay. Now when they advertised this, they advertised other things, but it was the first time Hulk Hogan's been in Richmond kind of thing. All right. I've seen good crowds in that Richmond Coliseum. I have never in my life. And I was there when he made his first impromptu time in Richmond. That place was jammed pack. I mean, you couldn't go get a soda. There was shoulder to shoulder. It was unbelievable. And it just made me in such a wow, like this guy is such a star. It was unbelievable. Yes, I think that the biggest description for Hulk Hogan is larger than life. And I don't know how you can make another better description of that to me. Well, and it was just like that crossed over the crossover, too, between the enter entertainment aspect of it, being on the, the cover of Sports Illustrated, going to uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Live, doing a lot of these movies. Uh, and we really you, try to compare it now currently with you. Know, we got The Rock, you got Cena. But Hogan did it first. He did it best, I think, in my my opinion, uh, because it wasn't as common then as it is now. No, he broke down barriers. He broke down walls. He he made, uh, you know, to a lot of people's chagrin, Hulk Hogan helped put pro wrestling on the map mm -hmm. for for the larger audience. For the for, uh, because before before then, wrestling was kind of like a niche audience. Yes, they sold out uh, uh, stadium, uh, not stadiums, but they sold out arenas and coliseums, but it was never huge, and everything was regional and territorial. And then, with the help of Hulk Hogan, Vince was able to create a national brand and be into a global brand. And then he grew that company into what it is today. And Hulk Hogan was the catalyst for that because he was that big a star that crossed over and transcended pro wrestling. He was the one responsible for casual fans, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I, 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 I totally agree to me too. And think about this. What man wouldn't want to have that body? What man wouldn't want to have that popularity? What child wouldn't want to watch that guy who's a superhero larger than life? What woman wouldn't want to look at that man? You know what I mean? So the guy had all the tangible things. And, I, you know, and going back to my story, it was almost like a spit in the face to Crockett Promotions that they would run that building and never sell it like that. And here comes WWF, and all of a sudden, you've got a rafter-to-rafter rafter packed hmm. Richmond Coliseum. That's kind of a spit in the face. And I actually remember my dad, only because he cared about the company he worked for, was a little bitter about that. He really was. And that's when they had Flair and Dusty and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And Wahoo McDaniel, um, Roddy Piper, you know, big names. And Hulk Hogan came in there and sold that thing out. I mean, hmm. pretty impressive, in my opinion, back in those days as well. Yeah, because he made a, f a little run there in um, NWA, went winning the Southeastern Heavyweight Championship um, in December of 79. Um, 
when he defeated Bob Roop uh, in Knoxville. Somebody that you wouldn't fear on putting Hogan and Bob Roop in the same sentence, um, but it happened. Uh, he would then drop it in January of ni- or 1980, So, and he would drop it to Bob Armstrong. So a little, a little factoid there for you guys. His first championship, he defeated Bob Roop. Um, so that's something that you put there all, all over the internets. Um, but it, it was interesting to see, cause I knew he did a little bit of work in the territories working here, um, in, in, in Knoxville and he worked at uh Georgia championship for brief time too. So, uh, it was just interesting to see before he really made the splash with, 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 with a company up North. The old WWF there. Uh, But I don't think that the company would have, you know, turned out currently what it was without Hogan. Um, Because I, unless you guys can think of somebody else in this time in the, uh, in the early eighties that could have been, you know, strapped the rocket to him. Do you think that, you know, Obviously, I'm hypothetically here, but do you think they could have brought Flair in here in the 80s, early 80s, and made such an impact as Hogan? Uh, to be honest with you, and I hate uh, no disrespect to Ric Flair because Ric Flair, one of the greatest ever, let's put it that way. But Hulk Hogan had this different aura about him. He felt larger than life. Don't get me wrong. Ric Flair's persona was awesome. His character was great. He he heel babyface he could do it all but hulk hogan just felt like a superhero you know and and you know yes it's one thing to appeal to to the adult audience which he did to some uh, pretty much but you know hulk hogan also attracted kids and you know people brought their kids to shows you started to see more kids at the events and 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 that audience grew that way as well so uh Someone else who could have done that at the time, I, mm, I can't well, to, think to, of anybody to, off the top well, of my head. To that magnitude, obviously you have a lot of talent here. You had, you know, Savage wasn't as big as he obviously would become. You had DiBiase mm-hmm. here. You had uh, Flair. You had Steamboat. You had all these guys here. But you know, like you said, Jimmy, that aura, that look, that personality—not a lot of people had it at this time. You want to hear? You want to hear a bold statement? Sure. And I, and I really mean this. Unless someone could tell me otherwise. The WWF slash WWE would never be what it is today without Hulk Hogan. Awesome. He put them on the map. He made that company as big as it got. And I, I just truly believe that. I, without Hogan, the WWF is not what WWF ended up being. And just, I just don't believe that that, that that anyone else could have built it and made it a bigger company than Hulk Hogan did. I really don't. Well, it, it, it goes to show you, he makes his debut here, uh, his first appearance at Madison Square Garden against Ted DiBiase. So that goes to show you that, and this was before, you know, he was making that big splash as a million-dollar man that he would uh, have later on um, in the second run with a company of the Hogan, because soon after this, you know, he would head over to Japan for five years between 80 and 85, working with Anoki, working with Fujinami, uh, Abdullah butcher, just to name a few. Uh, and it goes to show you that, you know, the look, the personality, the aura 
that he had mm-hmm. taken over to Japan. Uh, and obviously he would go there later on too, but man, it just, it goes to show you how big he was and you can't get any bigger than Rocky. <laughs> no. And, and let me put it to you this way too. You, you said he was over there in Japan working with all those uh, Japanese legends and you have to be able to work mm-hmm. in Japan to go over there and stay over there and get over there. So he proved that he can do it. But when he came back to North America, he realized that, in, I guess, in Vince's mind, you have to be more than just a pro, good pro wrestler. You have to be an overall entertainer. And Hulk realized that it wasn't about, it wasn't the wrestling that got him over. It was the, uh, you know, the investment in the person. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't, he, he, we, we go back, I, I'm fast forwarding a little bit here to Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18. That moment lives forever. People, when you talk about great WrestleMania moments, what do they talk about? Rock and Hogan, what do they do? Nothing. Nothing. They stared at each other. They did the, the, you know, the stare down and look back and forth. And the people went banana, as Pat (laughs) used to say back in the day. (laughs) Hulk realized early on that it was more about getting people invested in you and your character as opposed to doing a twisting, burning 450 Hammer Phoenix splash. Right. I had to get I had to get that in there. <laughs> I, I, I try try to get in every week, right? Yeah. But it, it it goes to show you, you know, he goes back and forth to Japan, like you said, Jimmy, the, the trust in him to work with his talent because you had to be able to work. Right. Uh, but then he comes back to the state. He gets uh, officially signed with uh, WWF. Uh, Vince Junior. We'll say mm-hmm. buys the company from his father. Uh, and then a few short weeks later, three weeks later, he's winning the title from there in cheek. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of just like strap the rocket. Let's see where we go. We're, we're either going to, we're either going to sink or we're going to float, you know, mm-hmm. it did. It didn't sink. That's for sure. It did not sink. It, it, it did not. But uh, the, the one thing that I always remember, and it, it may be the same for you guys too, is gorilla monsoon saying Hulkamania is here. When you go back and watch these YouTube videos, you watch stuff back on the network, whatever. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. And like I said, I really believe you don't have the same WWF, WWE today if it weren't for Hogan. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. It's almost like saying as well, if you kind of look at the cliche, that would the NWA be what it would be at that time without Ric Flair? Right. Rick Rick Flair was the poster boy for NWA. Hulk Hogan became the poster boy for WWE, WWF. Mm-hmm. What poster boy got it bigger? Well, I kind of have to go with, you know, I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I, I get it. And, you know, we brought up the name Andre the Giant earlier. And putting Hogan in the ring with Andre the Giant, you weren't going to get Steamboat Savage. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talks about WrestleMania three. Steamboat Savage being the best match on the show, but you can argue that the one that people were most invested in was what? Hogan, Hogan and Andre. Andre. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Larger do you than think, life characters. I, I don't mean to compare them because it's apples and oranges, mm-hmm. but you brought up Hogan and Rock it being an attraction, being, you know, you're not doing high flying moves. Would you? go as far as comparing how Hogan Andre to Hogan and, and rock just being the attraction match. You or is that, that, you, or is that too no, drastic? You could, 
No, you can make that argument, especially afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, after the fact, so to speak, because I know people were invested in the match and seeing the match, but I don't think they realized that they were going to get the moment that they got mm-hmm. in that match, which overshadowed pretty much everything that night. Right. So what I want to do now here, guys, is we have a few, a couple uh, audio clips. Obviously, they're going to be a video for you guys um, from the classic promos that he's had over the years in his career. So what I want to do is I'm going to play this real quick. This is from 1987 WWF, Hulk Hogan talking about uh, the match that we just talked about, Jimmy here uh, against Andre at WrestleMania 3. We are counting down to WrestleMania 3 at the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. Of course, on Sunday afternoon, March the 29th, heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. I cannot believe that the pressure is not starting to get to you. A title defense against your former friend, now bitter enemy, Andre the Giant. In his corner, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and you know what people are saying all around the world. I don't care what the people are saying around the world, man. I want to live forever, brother. You know, I'm not worried spiritually about this thing. I got my travel arrangements made. I got the deal upstairs already done. But it's mortally, brother. Andre the Giant is the only reason I can't live forever, man. I've seen the little Hulkamaniacs. They're training the prayers of vitamins. They're going to live forever. Hulkamania is going to live forever. And if Andre the Giant physically destroyed me, physically wiped me out, physically took the belt, maybe the little Hulksters wouldn't believe that you've got to play it straight, that you've got to keep your head high, man. Andre the Giant, Hulkamania will live forever. And in front of 93,000 people, brother, with the whole world watching on closed-circuit TV, you will feel the power of the largest arms in the world. You will feel the wrath of the Hulkamaniacs, Andre the Giant. And if I get you down in a compromising position, there will be no mercy, brother. I'm going to think about the time when you tore my shirt, when you ripped the cross, when you tore the heart and the soul out of all those little holsters, brother. And if nothing else happens, man, if nothing else happens, I'll get you for that. All right, the heavyweight champion of the world with perhaps his biggest test. So this is obviously leading to WrestleMania 3, the Pontiac Silverdome, like you mentioned. But the thing that I always got... From Hogan here, WCW, second round with the company, the believability factor. Where you that was, believed that was, everything he said. That was fucking awesome, man. <laughs> like that was fucking awesome. Like I have like chill bumps. Literally, I'm not kidding. I have like chill bumps. By the way, there's a gun. Um <laughs> the if you noticed, if you noticed, there's the other one, by the way. Um <laughs> if you noticed. What was that promo geared toward? Kids. Kids, mm-hmm. yeah. Take your vitamin. The little Hulkamaniacs. That was geared towards kids. That's a smart guy. Smart mm-hmm. guy. That was a fucking awesome promo. It was. Yeah. And 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 the you, you talk about uh, believability. Here's the one the one word that you felt in every Hulk Hogan promo. Passion. Mm-hmm. There was absolute Absolutely. passion in everything he said. His mannerisms, the way he moved, everything, and you, you know, and and like you said, Brian, the kids just gravitated towards him because he was larger than life, and they believed in him. You know, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up somebody that you heard in that promo too was Mean Gene Okerlund. 
somebody that worked with worked with Hulk here in WWF, worked with him in WCW. Dude, they had to have fun with each other, man. That they had to. Mm -hmm. Like I said, looking at the outside, obviously you guys saw him firsthand, but man, it was just awesome. He's the best. Yeah. When you talk about chemistry, and 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 two people having chemistry together, it just it ooze that the chemistry just oozed from those two. They, they, they could go into any situation, any promo and just say, okay, what, what are we talking about? Oh, the match here. Okay, go. Yeah. That's it. You don't have to tell them what to talk about because they knew what to talk about. Yeah. And you saw, and played, off, you each saw, other, and played yeah. off each other so well, as you saw. And you saw it so many different other ways too, where with other people, mean Gene was always, <laughs> you'd always love to see him do a warrior promo or something. And like, mm-hmm. but you see a Hulk promo. It's just like, you go back just to watch those now. And this is mm-hmm. fun to watch. It's it's totally fun. It's totally fun. I mean, it just, it, it for, for someone like me, it just jogs my memory. It makes me feel young. It makes me feel excited about, what he's talking about and it's mm-hmm. still to this day i mean what year did you say that was 87 87 wow. my god it was i don't know he just had a way of bringing you in and, and, and as jimmy said making you believe what he was saying and feeling and he just sucked you in and made you care about that match or that moment or whatever it may be mm-hmm. I, I i tell you it, it, it would have never been the company it is now without all I'm just saying. Yeah. It goes to show you say moments too. And I can't help but bring up, you know, Hogan hold the heavyweight title for uh, pretty much four years until the uh, win magic, we'll call it between your dad and uncle uh, Brian. Uh, I know we talked briefly about it before, but it was just an epic time. And that was kind of, I still say to this day, it's the best wrestling angle angle of all time. Uh, but it really, you know, put that professional wrestling and WWF into that extra stratosphere. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you look at it like this, okay, as a wrestling fan, if you're ever going to remember a referee for any reason, that's the reason why you're going to remember Dave and Earl Hebner. Mm-hmm. You're not going to remember that Jimmy did, no disrespect, that Jimmy did. No. Uh, uh, Taker and, and Edge. You're not going to remember Brian Hebner did Vincent Hogan. You're not going to remember Kyoto did Rock and Hogan. You're not going to remember that because it wasn't about us. That was about them. The whole angle was about the swerve. You know what I mean? It was about that. Mm-hmm. Right. You ask any fan, seriously, that's and remembers it anyway, is going to tell you Earl Dave Hebner. I mean, that because of that spot, because of that match. Jimmy, I know you're dying. Go. <laughs> no, it, no, it just that twin magic night was was special because I was there that night at that Saturday night's main event. And it's funny because all day long we hadn't seen your uncle David. We didn't know at the time that that, that your dad Earl was going to be there. So we're waiting to see what's going to happen in this match. Uh, no, everybody was kept in the dark, so to speak. A little peek behind the curtain now. Uh, so we're all watching on the monitors in the back, wondering what's going on. And Earl is in the ring to referee the match. And the first thing I think of is, ah, oh, Dave's looking good. He's lost a little bit of weight. I had a boy, Dave. You know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I knew that his twin brother worked in in NWA in Mid Atlantic, but it didn't clue in at the time. Do you know what I'm saying? So then, yeah. as I'm watching the monitor, right by the monitor is the drink station, 
And I turn around to grab myself a coffee. And as I do that, watching the monitor, and this was right outside Gorilla too, watching the monitor is David Hepner. And I look and I go, and I look back at the monitor, I look back at him, he smiles, he winks, and he goes, so I went, okay. So I went back to the monitor, wanted to see what happened. And then we got the twin magic angle. Yeah. <laughs> but but the turning around and seeing David there, like I didn't put two and two together until you know a few minutes when he went, he winked and he goes, <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, I, I don't want to uh you know bore our listeners too terrible much with you know the all the, all the things that we've heard about him the with the mega powers with the warrior you know it's been said time and time again i implore you to go over and watch those matches back again uh on on the network on peacock absolutely phenomenal i love going back and watching myself but i wanted to bring up something that that really hasn't been touched on before that i've heard of in a lot of shows is you know his matches with yokozuna uh match here the first annual king of the ring in, in uh 93 here in june um what did you guys think uh of this whole angle with him and yokozuna obviously we see it at wrestlemania with him and brat and yoko but did he he really seemed to do well with the bigger guys you know undertaker andre obviously uh big boss man jimmy you know you were there at this time but how did you see this 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 rivalry between him and Yokozuna as 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 small of a time that it was? No, it, 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 you you hit a great point there that he worked differently with bigger guys because he was able to sell in a different manner, and the big guys can get over you know, got over with inflicting punishment on Hulkster that didn't look like if you got a smaller guy. Let's say, for example, you know, uh, and, and again, no disrespect to this Hall of Famer, well-deserved Rey Mysterio. If you have Ray in the ring with Hulk, he has to do like so much more to get heat on Hulk. As opposed to a guy like Yoko, one squash in the corner and Hulk could sell his ass off. And Hulk was great at selling his ass off when he needed to. Mm-hmm. Would that match work, Jimmy? Think about that. I'm not saying it wouldn't be something they could do, but would a Ray Mysterio Hulk Hogan match you know, if it was heel baby, if, 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 if he worked heel, if Hogan, he can make it work. I don't think he did it in WCW. I'd have to go back and do some research, but that would have been mm-hmm. the only place that he would have done it. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, think so. When I, he, when he turned there in WCW. Yeah. 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 It, it would be, it wouldn't be easy, but I think a heel Hulk Hogan versus a babyface Ray Mysterio, it can work. And, and Hulk knows how to make it work. Yeah, and make it look legit. You know, another couple of big guys. I, I I can't believe I forgot about him. That he worked with and he worked well with him was Earthquake and Typhoon. Yeah, because he was able to yeah. sell for those big guys. They could do their yeah. big man moves. Hulk can sell his ass off for them. And then when he did his comeback, you know, his hulking up. People just came with it. They were waiting for it. They wanted it. They anticipated it. And he gave it to them. You know what I mean? It, it, it just worked. It just yeah, worked. That, that that term, Jimmy, is still used to this day in the back when we're going over matches. Mm-hmm. They all say, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to get my ass beat. And then I'm going to do the Hulk up. <laughs> well, motherfucker, you're not Hulk Hogan. But, but, I, understand. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying, right? Yeah, uh, I understand what you mean. But but you ain't hawking up like Hulk. But uh, right. 
But it was all about that. That was you're you're exactly right, Jimmy. That's what it was. Get 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 his ass beat. Have his shine a little bit at the front. Get his ass beat in the middle. Hulk up at the end. Big boot. Drop the leg. Place goes crazy, and he flexes all over the building. And that, that, that's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. That simple. Yeah. Hogan. And people Hogan paid must pose. to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And people paid to see that. Yeah. Uh. So. Talk about 93, 94 comes along, summer of 94. You know, he officially signs with uh, WCW. Uh, he gets a pop and circumstance down here at Disney MGM Studios. Were you guys surprised, 94 here, that he made that jump to WCW? I was. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised. I, did, I didn't think he was going anywhere, and I didn't think Vince would let him go anywhere. And I don't know the circumstances surrounding his departure. But when he showed up at WCW, uh, a lot of people in the locker room said, "Okay, this 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 just got serious. We got to up our game." Right. I think everyone was surprised. To be honest with you, that that's the fair answer. Because mm-hmm. if you ask us if we were surprised, yes, we were. I think everyone was surprised. And once again, Jimmy, I'm with you. Huge thing. I can't believe Vince let him get away. Yeah. Well, but it, it goes. Sometimes it's like okay, it's you saw that a little bit and Hogan might've been the first guy to really do it, but you know, go learn a new hold somewhere else. Learn, get that mentality. You know, you see them, Hogan was the first to go. And then you see hall or hall and Nash and Savage. And it was kind of like a trickle down effect, but it was a matter of, okay, now you're seeing the red and yellow on, you know, you've seen on a cable station. Now you're not seeing it on, you're seeing on USA on Monday nights. Well, now you can see it somewhere else it's like uh, not the same <laughs> not the same <laughs> no not the same at all and 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 there you go and that was the precipice of launching into the stratosphere that monday night wars yeah yeah and th- that was the first one and that's how that's how big a star he was he was able to facilitate uh you know help wcw in the monday night wars gain that's an edge that's what i was going to ask you though uh, jimmy uh you're 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 actually more knowledgeable to this than me because I was a fan at this point in time. Do you think Hogan, Hogan's good God, can I talk? Um, <laughs> do you think Hogan is the one that created the Monday Night Wars? Is that what you're saying? Because of no. him moving over to WCW, you think that initiated that war? No, I don't think it initiated it. I think the WCW wanted it, but he helped elevate it. Got you. Got you, you know what I mean? Once he went over there, uh, Things got serious. Let's put it that way, and and uh, you know VKM really, really you know put his nose to the grindstone and started. You know, yep. You know, very interesting. It really started to rev up. You know, we're at ninety four mm-hmm. here. Everybody knows ninety six is right around the corner, and we know what that means. Bash at the beach. He makes ah. that turn. So, like I mentioned before, we had our first clip. This is our second clip of our episode, so we'll hit this. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. (laughs) I have been with you for so many years, for you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) 
And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north, and everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? I've been there, I've done that. You have made the wrong decision, in <laughs> my opinion. Well, let me tell you something. I made that organization a monster. I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we gonna take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene. So, guys, just an unbelievable promo. Obviously, this is just a snippet of it. I don't want to play the whole one uh, because it's something that a lot of people have seen and heard before. But he would go on to say, you can see all this garbage in the ring. This is what I think of you. All of your fans are garbage. You're, you know, it was all work, blah, 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 prayers, vitamins, whatever. Holy crap. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's all I got to say. It's just, you look at this now and you're like, okay, right. Okay. That makes sense. 96, this wasn't happening. No, because it was a different time and fans viewed it a different way. They didn't have all this. They didn't have these and they didn't right. have the computers where everybody could go on websites and find out and, and spoilers here, spoilers there. There was a concentrated effort to keep things under wraps as best as possible. And again, as, as, as Brian and I alluded to, nobody expected if there's one person that they didn't expect to jump ship, it was Hulk Hogan. So him coming out there, it not only shocked everybody, but also he hit all the right notes in his in his uh, heel promo there mm -hmm. and just alienated everyone and got them so pissed. It was awesome. It was it, it was magic. Yeah. I, I mean, this this was the first. Not first time being healed, but this is the first time that it mattered on this scale of Hogan being what he was then excuse me and it was 
magical. That is a magical heel turn, if that's what you want to call it. This was a shocker out of left field. You have the biggest star in WWE move over to WCW. And then you have the next two biggest stars, Hall and Nash, move over along with him. And then he aligns himself with them, and they call themselves the New World Order. Wow. And then he said he made people millions of dollars, made people rich. He's very true. Mm -hmm. He ain't lying. So don't throw trash at him, guys. Shit. Motherfucker making people money. But that, so, but that was a common thing though, though. Then in WCW, you know, everybody they and they encouraged it, I guess. You know, throw throw the trash in the ring. It's it's gets it gets the guys over more. But man, it was just unreal. And this is really when I started coming back. Well, by and, the way, you you can you can actually control trash throwing. I just want to let you know that I've, I've witnessed that firsthand. Uh, <clears throat> some uh, swerves back in anyway. Another podcast. <laughs> you know, you no go. kidding. Uh, but you know, I don't think you, we mentioned that. I don't anything professional wrestling would have been the same without you know the immortal Hulk Hogan. I don't think the back half, you know, here in the nineties, the Monday Night Wars would have been the same without the Hogan turn, right? No, not at all. No, definitely not. You keep Hogan the same way he was. You're not freshening up. You're not doing anything to make controversy to cause people to flip channels. You get the same Hogan, which was, don't get me wrong, for many years, the best. But my God, this was the best option to change the world around. And Hall and Nash moving over resurrected that different character. And that's what made WCW very entertaining to watch, in my opinion. Because I watched it. I did. And I'm a WWE guy. My dad's working for the company. And I'm flipping. And that's because I want to see Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hogan. The new world order and what happens next? I want to see that, and they created that. It was pretty fucking special, man. Let me put it to you this way: uh, you you knew in the WWE on Monday Night Raw in the truck they were doing their job, but one of the monitors was on WCW to keep tabs on what they were doing as well. And it's funny because when we would do Monday Night Raw in certain buildings, there'd be televisions around, like for example in the trainers' room. I remember one time in St. Louis, we were in the trainer's room and we were watching WCW to see what was going on. And oh, Vince brother. had to walk by. Yeah. Vince, were you there, Brian, when Vince uh, walked by? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's not good. We did not want oh. to do that. Turn that shit off. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> gee. everybody's ducking under tables. I hope he didn't see me. No, that's what you say. I wasn't watching it. I just happened to come in here. Yeah. No, I was just getting taped up. Yeah, <laughs> referees get taped up now. Here we go. Yeah. Why not? That, that that's a that's a reference review for next week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I was going to ask you that, Jimmy, because you're with you with WWF in '96 here, and obviously you, the, the rumor obviously was true as you just mentioned. You know they're having the the monitor there watching WCW. Was the atmosphere as oh how do I put this? schizophrenic i guess we could say at that time where one week it could be great and next week it could be down because wcw is doing so well um i think it pushed everybody harder that's for sure yeah but it also uh gave everybody a goal 
so to speak, you know, like especially guys who were under contract and couldn't go anywhere. It's like, okay, so uh, we can't go out there and see if we can negotiate a deal and go to the other guys. We, we got to do what we can as best as we can here. So it, it, it fueled a fire yeah. in a lot of people, but you also saw it was taking its toll on a lot of other people who were saying, Oh my goodness. Especially, uh, you know, they talk about the 83 weeks, mm-hmm. you know, that, that took its toll on a lot of people. And, and once that, that, that tide started to turn, that's when you saw the, the, uh, the different, uh, the different facial expressions, the different people weren't as, Oh, we're getting our butts handed to us. So now it's like, okay, here we come. We're coming now. Here we go. Yeah. I agree with that, Jimmy. And, and, and you know, the 83 weeks, which, which Eric Bischoff, if you don't know, has a, a podcast called 83 weeks mm-hmm. and it's all based upon that, that 83 weeks. And that's a long time. Think about what 83 weeks is. And when the tide did turn or began to turn, you, you, you can only imagine how management and the wrestlers and people that worked for that company felt. But my point being, it was Hogan and Hogan alone with the outsiders that made that 83 weeks, 83 weeks, in my opinion. But you also have to look on it too. Yeah. On the business side of it too, this whole Monday night wars, Hogan going over the Nash hall going over. It brought up guaranteed contracts where they turned the business around in the positive. Because like you said, Jimmy, guys were worried about guarantees. They're worried about contracts expiring Mm -hmm. or being renewed. In this aspect, it helped the boys out even more because they gave them guaranteed contracts. Right. It it helped. Yeah. It helped the boys, especially from a pay standpoint. But uh, again, here, here we are, like, like Brian said, you know, those 83 weeks, you talk about uh, Hall, the New World Order, you know, being the precipice for, for those 83 weeks, but it attracted eyes to the product and they got to see the, the other players in the game. They got to see the guys that were not part of the, the New World Order. They got to see the, the Eddie Guerreros and the, and, and the, the Rays and the, the Deans and, the, you know, the other players, the Stings, so on and so forth. So not only did they help themselves, they helped the entire locker room in the, in the same way uh, from both a business standpoint and from a uh, visual standpoint where people got to see them. No, they did. You're right, Jimmy, because of the popularity of the NWO made people tune in. They didn't know when they were going to see them. And then they got to see the Eddie Guerrero's, the Chris Benoit's, the, you know, Ray Mysterio's, Billy Kidman. They got to see all that stuff. You know what I mean? And that's what made the product at that point in time with the 83 weeks that elevated everyone. You know what I mean? So it was them that made everyone's put more eyeballs onto the TV and put more eyeballs onto the program. But I will say those guaranteed contracts ended up biting them in the ass. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'd see that obviously come to a head here in the, in the early two thousands, WCW would end up going out of business. Uh, and then Hogan Nash and Hall would then appear here in 2002 as part of the NWO uh, in the WWE um, had a good run here. Um mm-hmm. 
you know, like we mentioned with Hogan and Rock, hit a lot of good runs there. But I wanted to bring up before we had to our third count, uh, a run his run with TNA that he had, and that's something that Brian you saw very, you know, you saw that firsthand. No, I did, and um, I will say, um, Hogan resurrected my career and my bitterness towards the wrestling business after I was released or whatever the fuck you want to call it um, from WWE. They didn't, they, they, they couldn't find anything for me is what, what I was told. Really? You can't find another match for a referee. Okay, cool. Um, but anyway, he was wondering why I was on the sidelines and he brought me in him and Jeff Jarrett. And at that time, he was a big, big move for TNA. They were trying to be at that WCW level. And, I, 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 you know, without without Hogan, for, for again, without Hogan, I don't think TNA reaches where they were at that point without Hogan. TNA was a big deal, and people forget that. They were drawing numbers on Spike TV. Drawing numbers. I'm talking about 1.1, 1.2, 1 1.3, 1.5. Big numbers. And it wouldn't have been that way if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. And I'm just going to say, be, just straight out say it. He built stars too. He put more eyes on the product. And guess what happens? Then you get your AJ Styles. You get your Samoa Joes. You get your Abysses. You know, you, you get all those guys that people weren't seeing before. Now you do. And it's because Hulk Hogan brought eyes to that product. Absolutely. Uh Lastly, before, like I said, before we get to our third count, this, obviously, for both of you, do you think, and I think I pretty much know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways, will we ever see or have we seen anybody even come close to being a Hulk Hogan? Um, Sal Rock, you can put Cena there, but there's only one Hulk Hogan, right, Jimmy? Right, because he was the launch, he was the one who launched what we have today, what you know, we don't without Hulk Hogan, we don't get the Attitude Era. We don't get all the all those different eras where we got the Rocks and the Hogans and the Stone Colds. He was the precipice for all of those. He was the launching pad for all of those. So, um, yes, we had some mega stars, but uh, you can make an argument that without the original megastar Hulk Hogan, that never happens. Nope, there is, and 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 you can. Say anything you want. You can argue anything you want. It's kind of like arguing who's the best basketball player ever. It's Michael Jordan, period. Okay? It's Hulk Hogan and then the rest. Did the rest do good? Hell yes. Was Stone Cold the man? Hell yes. Was The Rock the man? Hell yes. Is Roman Reigns now today the man? Hell yes. But they, are, they were not Hulk Hogan. They weren't. Hulk Hogan, like you said, Jimmy, broke down walls, kicked in doors, and showed how to be a star to these guys. So that being said, we're going to send it up to our third count. We're going to talk a couple matches that you guys worked with Hulk uh, in his career. But before that, like I said, let's send it up to our third count. Manscaped. This is your three count. As always, guys, 
you guys have been in the business, what we say, a combined 60 years. So you guys worked with Hogan a couple, two, three times. So, um, Jimmy, the first one that I want to bring up to you that we we talked briefly about uh, was a house show mm-hmm. in your neck of the woods at Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, February 9th, 1990. Hulk Hogan taking on Mr. Perfect and the Genius in a handicap match. Man, I, glory days, right? Oh, oh my goodness. Canada. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that Brian sings Oh Canada. That's it. No, I can't I gotta do the Star Spangled Banner. That's all I know. No, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, all I know is oh say can you see? That's about it. But anyway. <laughs> you can't no, see me. <laughs> think about who's in the ring right there. Um, you know, legendary Hulk Hogan, Mr. Perfect, who may have been the smoothest wrestler in the world back then and and a great persona and and a good friend you know and lanny poffo who underrated in my opinion and just uh unfortunately he had to fall in the shadow of his brother randy savage but what a cool moment you're in your hometown refereeing the incredible hulk hogan versus mr perfect and lanny poffo in a handicap match and that's not the only match i got the referee uh with him i also got to do um uh, a cage match between him and Warrior at Maple Leaf Gardens uh, many, many years ago. And uh, oh, my goodness, I just just not, I can't even put into words how special those moments were. Yeah. Well, but it goes to show you, too, it just his just the career that he's just spanned so many years with so mm-hmm. many different people. You, you, you fast forward and I'll get to you real quick, Brian, too, but so I don't forget. Fast forward to Judgment Day 2003 between Mr. America, <laughs> which I don't know if he's Hulk Hogan. Maybe he's, I don't know. Uh, and Roddy <laughs> Piper. But yeah. it goes decades after they had that first match there at WrestleMania 1. Again, how amazing is that to be in the ring with two icons, two legends like Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. And yes, uh, hate hate to break it to you all. Mr. America was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but again, sometimes I, I think back and I go, man, I was truly blessed to be in this business and get to work with some great people like that. Yeah. How ridiculous was that gimmick? <laughs> but well, you saw Chris too when you're on SmackDown. It was, but, it was ridiculous. It was actually it, so dumb, but it worked. No, but it worked. It, that's it the thing. But how the fuck did it work? <laughs> You got a you got a pay per view match out of it, even. Well, more than I think it was even more than one. I think. I think so. But who's um, booking, who's booking this shit? Yeah, who knows, <laughs> knows at this point? But uh, you know, we just saw him last night as we're recording on Monday night. We saw Brock Lesnar turn on Cody Rhodes. But in two thousand two, he was wrestling Hulk Hogan. Uh, we talked about it last week when we had Kurt Angle on that he said Brock Lesnar was one of the best wrestlers he's ever faced. Dude had a hell of a 2002. He beat the undertaker. He beat Hulk Hogan here. Brian, you did a match with him on SmackDown in August of 2002. Just going into there, talk about intimidating doing a Hogan and McMahon match, Vince McMahon match. How intimidating was a Hogan and Brock Lesnar match? Well, let me explain this to you real quick. This match actually happened at the Richmond Coliseum. And at that point in time in my career, I was not the main event referee for SmackDown. 
But as Jimmy would know and attest to, when we typically would go to our hometown, they would actually give us a bone. And that was my bone. And I was like, oh, fuck, thank you. Um, <laughs> shit. And I'm working with Hulk Hogan and Brock Lesnar, who is the biggest rising star at the point in time, who was with Paul Heyman. And I had so many spots with Heyman. I had to take a ref bump. Uh, there was color. There was, I mean, there, were, there was nothing left on the table after that match. Uh, but it, it was amazing. And I really believe that that match really put me on the map in WWE where people were like, okay, Brian Hebner's not fucking bad. The guy can <laughs> be okay. And Hogan actually put me over uh, backstage. And Brock Lesnar always loved me anyway. Uh, we always had that relationship. And he was just, like, proud of me, too. He was like, I knew you could do a kid. I knew you could do this. And I'm like, yeah, I know, Brock. I'll beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, it was uh, phenomenal. It was amazing. The Richmond Coliseum was sold out for SmackDown. Um, I probably had about 300 comps that helped out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing, and I'll never forget that moment. That's a match I'll always, always, always remember the front to the back, always. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, it was just one of those things where did <clears throat> did Hogan really put you want to put Brock over? Was that part of the whole shtick there? Where hey, we'll put you over, brother. No, it was a way of elevating Brock to the next level, and who else better to do it than with Hulk? You know, and it, it worked because Brock became that monster. That's when he took that blood off of his head and wiped and it on his chest. chest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it just took Brock to another level. I mean, how can you not go to another level? I don't care where you're at and what age you are with Hulk Hogan. I mean, it's Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if Hulk Hogan put me over today, I would be over like Rover. Of course. I, I would hope I'll so, never anyways. be over. I'll never be over like Rover. I'm just saying I would be though. Come on, Hulk, oh. give it to me. Well, Hogan's pushing you, right? Uh, but lastly, guys, uh, for both of you is, is uh, you know, Hogan always elevated, or at least they tried to elevate. The old adage, oh, it doesn't work for me, brother. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, obviously, but he just wanted to do what was best for business was best for the company, whatever, whichever company he was with. Uh, and Jimmy, you know, you saw this earlier career, Brian, you saw his later career and you saw a little bit of it too, Jimmy, but to speak on the earlier part of his career, just putting guys over, you know, we talked about Savage. We talked about warrior. How was he like backstage to work? Was he kind of one of those guys where you could go up to him and talk about, Hey, what we're doing tonight, brother. No, I the 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 times I got to work with them, you know, I was a uh, hey Hulkster, you know, uh, I got your match tonight. Is there anything you need from me? Whatever, what do you need me to do and stuff like that? And he says, well, I'll get with you, brother. Don't worry about it. Or he'd tell me what he needed or what what was going to happen. He said, or you know, very simple. Oh no, just what we've been doing, you know. Very very, you know, never ne never. I, I didn't I didn't see that uh, attitude from him. Let's like I'm I'm you know. Why are you asking me that kind of thing? He was always, always kind, always cordial, and uh, always called me brother. But then again, he called everybody brother. <laughs> brother, brother. brother. Here, here's where I'm very, very jealous in a good way of Jimmy. Okay. Jimmy got to work with him during the, the, the highest of high. 
Um, I, I, I didn't. And that's okay. I was younger. I mean, I'm not saying that Jimmy's old. I'm just saying that I was younger. Jimmy's old. <laughs> I'll say it. Jim, Jimmy's old. Jimmy will say it. <laughs> Jimmy Corn and I don't care. Jimmy Cra- uh, but uh, but no, no, no. Um, I, I, I envy you. I envy you. I think it's 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 awesome. You got to do that, and I do. And I got to work with him in his latter portion of his career. Now I'll tell you, he was very approachable, and he was very laid back, and everything was cool, brother. Just as Jimmy would say. And I remember a story on a house show. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it was the main event, and he was wrestling Edge. And this, and I don't know how Edge and Hogan keeps coming up, but in this podcast, but it just does. And uh, we were working the house show, and Edge was really loose because he was working with Hogan. Like I said, Hogan was really laid back. We weren't trying to work hard at all. They were not trying to work hard at all. Like I said, they wanted to do the shine at the front with Hogan. He in the middle, fucking boot and drop the leg. Okay kind of deal flex around the stadium or the arena whatever it may be and i remember sitting there and he was in a rest hole with edge and he says to me hogan looks right at me and says baby hebner you ready for a beer brother and i said yes sir he said listen we ain't here for a long time we're here for a good time let's go home baby i said okay <laughs> so that's what we did we went home right after that i edge got the iggy and we would we went right home he did the hulk up boom 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 leg drop by one two three boom out the building and guess what he had beer in the locker room waiting for him and he did give me two that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't enough but that that works starter well yeah but how many times can you say you had a couple of beers with hogan before you can't say that no not too many people can say that so that's actually true, RJ. For the first time in your life, you've made sense. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a first for everything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, guys, just unbelievable show. Um, I don't think we could. I'm sure we probably go hours and hours talking about Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Uh, just an iconic career that he had, the iconic Hall of Famer that he is. Guys, we saw a lot this past weekend with, with WrestleMania. Um, and I ended up posting it from my personal page or man, JD hoop is all over the place and he was all over WrestleMania. He did the gear for the street profits this past weekend, man, unreal. He does a fantastic show art each and every week. Um, it's, it's out of the park. AJ is one of the, the, the voice of the show. Um, obviously Jimmy and Brian are the, the, the brains behind the operation we'll say, uh, but, uh, AJ's the voice, but I just unreal guys. Yeah. Thank you, JD and RJ, AJ. I mean, awesome. And also you too, RJ. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 And, and of course, of course my good brother in stripes, uh, be him. Well, I just want to say, man, I, I, I'm really so blessed and, uh, JD does such a great job and look at the attraction he's getting. My boy AJ McKay. Um, Jimmy, you're you're wonderful. What are we doing here? We're putting everybody over. Um, I guess. Yeah. Everybody else over, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta force this out. RJ, you're you're doing good too, buddy. <laughs> All right, we're gonna isolate that. That'll be my text tone whenever you text me. Okay, and good. <laughs> That's where you cut right there. Cut right and, there. There you go. Uh, we can't do better than that. No, but seriously, uh, yeah. our our team is awesome, and I'm um, I'm really blessed, and we're doing a good job, and we're working hard, and we're kicking ass, and very proud, very 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 very. I can't say it enough. Very proud, and yeah. I also 
Hey, Hulk Hogan, I know you're listening. I know you're a big avid listener. I love you, buddy. Thank you for all the things and memories that you've given me. And you stay safe, my brother. Yeah. Yes, Mr. America, thank you so much for everything you've done for me as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, very appreciated from a, young, from a young Canadian kid back in the day. And, of course, you can find us here and myself here every Wednesday you, um, doing the Reffin It Up thing. And also you can catch me on my Reffin Rants every day doing those from Monday to Wednesday. Again, critiquing little things, not to tear down, but to help make this business better. Wanting to see it get better from my point of view. And also you can catch me on Monday nights and Wednesday nights on Wrestling Inc. post-Raw and post-AEW Dynamite, respectively. Can can you believe that I had a conversation with um, one of our, I don't know if I say buddies, but uh, I had a conversation with, with one of our friends who um, we didn't mention this week. I have to get it in there. Uh-oh. Well, Uh-oh. I actually had a conversation a couple of days ago with Tony Chimble, and he said that you're right with half your reference reviews. The only problem is he said it's only a minute long, but he used to have to listen to it for three fucking hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he used, to get a, he used to get an earful from me, that's for sure. But imagine that, trying to get... A, getting a word in edgewise with somebody like Chimmel on the other end. But he said you were right. I can't believe that. He's never. Oh, my God. Boy, time. Uh, boy, times have, are changing. That's for sure. Tony Chimmel said I was right. He said it. I should have recorded it. I swear. He said. Wow. Wow. And by the way, if you want to catch me, I'm at a bit. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. I've got excited. Talk about Schimmel. He gets my, my bullet flowing like in crazy ways. I'm leaving that in there, Brian. I don't care. Um, but you can catch <laughs> you can catch the show's pages both on Instagram and Twitter at Reffin It Up. Head over to caspi.com slash Reffin It Up. All our great platforms are right there as well. Guys, thank you so much. Really looking forward to next week. Stay tuned to our socials right there at Reffin It Up on both platforms for our announcement on who will be joining us next week. Uh, and uh, we'll go from there, guys. So thank you so much for tuning in this week, and we'll see you right here next week on Reffing It Up. Get your manscape. One, two, three.